Hello and welcome to season three of Who You Don't See, the podcast celebrating the people behind the stars. From choreographers and stylists to makeup artists and video directors, if they're part of a celebrity's team, we are all about getting to know them. I'm your host, Megan Lawton, and this season we're taking you back to the 90s and noughties, a time of low-rise jeans, frosted lip gloss and Von Dutch caps. Our guest this week is Danilo Dixon, a hairdresser to the stars. It's been coined before, but she was a bit of a Barbie for me. You know, I got to go play Dolly all the time simply because here I have this incredible person that has such a presence on stage and just really gifted, beautiful individual who likes to play. There he is talking about Gwen Stefani, his client of 20 years. From the space buns to the slick ponytails, Danilo is the guy behind it all. When he's not working with Gwen, he's styling for Lily James, Selena Gomez and Katy Perry. When we caught up, we spoke about the changing toolkit of a hairdresser, the extra pressure social media puts on celebrities to look incredible, and the weekly hair dye regime that's kept Gwen's blonde so platinum. Enjoy. Danilo, hello. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. It's great to meet you. I'm looking forward to a chat. Can I ask where in the world you are today? Today I'm in Los Angeles. I just returned from Palm Springs. Of course you did. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We always start the podcast in my favorite place. We're in a bar. So I'm going to set the scene. You and I are in Palm Springs, margarita in hand. We meet each other in a bar and work comes up in conversation. To a complete randomer, what would you say you do? What would you say your job title is? Uh, It's so funny. I'm very shy about that often, but I... You know, depending on the the conversation, I can go from just being a hairbender or uh, a glambassador to the most deserving. But when I have to break it down, it's so diverse and I work in so many aspects of the industry that it it just turns into this bigger conversation. I, I don't feel that people get the right answer. They get many answers to just show you the diversity. I, um, but I, I work with famous people <laughs> that are very talented and, and very diverse that way. And I'm, that's something I'm grateful for in my industry is that I've been able to do a lot of different situations and creative inspirations. Well, as you said uh, just then, and your Insta bio says, Glambassador to the most deserving. Give us an idea of the people who you deem most deserving. Who have you got your mitts on? The most recent that I've really enjoyed has been uh, a lovely British actress, Lily James. And that's been a really wonderful experience to see somebody young and vibrant and talented and, and, and willing and creative and just so many aspects to sit down with and human. Because it's so often, you know, I, I always joke that um, a lot of actors are high, high paid schizophrenics, <laughs> but just simply because of the nature of their job. But um, she's been quite wonderful. Um, Scarlett Johansson, Gwen Stefani. Um, the, the, that's been in the mix in the last couple of weeks that uh, people have known. Um, it's, it's a constant role here on the West Coast of, of the States. Hollywood is Hollywood, and that seems to be a big central focus of work here. And then when I'm in New York, I get more fashion, editorial. Um, it's just a mixed bag of tricks. It's, it's whatever, I, I, when I get asked if it really hits my heart or inspires my mind, 
I say yes, and let's let's move forward. You never know what you're getting into. A to-do list of things that hit your heart. That's a, an exciting place to be. I want to backtrack maybe to the start of your career when perhaps your to-do to do list wasn't hitting your heart. How did you kind of make your way into being a celebrity? Well, make your way into being a hairdresser and then make your way, make that jump into being a celebrity hairstylist. Well, um, and, and, and also just on a, on a terminology, I would say, yes, I do a lot of celebrity, but I do a lot of other things too. So I, I, I first and foremost see myself as an artist and that I'm creating, because I get involved head to toe. I'm like, what are these shoes? What this dress, this hat, this, this, the ambiance of the room. What's the story we're telling? You know, I, I love a, a script. I really like to get deep on what we're doing. That aside, my career started, fortunately, I met a gentleman named Orbe, who was an up-and-coming hairdresser in the industry, and he told me he was going to open a salon and that he'd really like me to be his vice president and artistic director. So this was my invitation into a new world. I joined him the whole, the years, basically the 90s started, and for the whole 90s, I worked at Orbe, and um, we were a team where we did basically the 90s is when Supermodel was born. So there was super hair, super photographers, super hair, super makeup. And we were part of that. We were the Orbe team and we were hitting the world. We were doing 17 shows in New York, 17 in Milan. So it was a fun, fun time. It was the 90s and we were creating an industry that didn't exist. It, none of this happened. These conversations that, that are so sophisticated now didn't exist but one day a beauty editor asked what's in your box what's your go-to because we all walked around with little boxes we looked like doctors <laughs> and we started to talk about things that we were picking up when we were in Europe you know it would be the, you know a Mason Pearson brush they weren't here so we brought them over here and that just started a conversation that let's just quickly fast forward to today when there's influencers doing that and um, beauty editors are, are in a different world now too. Everything's just changed. It's, it's magnified and glorified and it has been a long fun journey. Yeah. Sounds like, well, I love that ready to play. You were sort of a pioneer of not just hairstyling, but taking it to the next level. Do you remember the first, I don't know what you would call a celebrity client. Do you remember that first hairstyle session you did where their nerves involved? Literally in the salon, I had a client sit down and she had me do her hair color. And so we did. And, you know, in that process, there's that downtime. And I was just saying, so what do you do? And she said, oh, I'm in a band. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. Any, any, are you playing? What's going on? What kind of band? Any place I can come see you? You know, and uh, she just <laughs> looked at me. And she, in, within seconds, she said, well, we're, we're called the B-52s. And I dropped, I dropped at that point because it's early 90s, all through the, the 80s and the late 70s. I, I loved their work. And, and I was so excited because it's quite a hair statement as well. The girls have huge hairdos. And she said, well, sometimes I need wigs. And so if you'd be interested. So that started a 10-year relationship with them. Um, and this was Kate Pearson, the redhead. Um, so that was the first introduction. And Orbe turned to me, he goes, you should be on the set. You, you have talent. You need to be in working for the camera. So he sent me to, um, I was a stand-in for him because he couldn't do the job with Stephen Mizell. And 
that made me excited, nervous. Uh, I, I also was a very, you know, I was edged then. I wasn't, you know, now you see people like me everywhere, but at the time it was a very progressive uh, appearance. If anything, akin to Boy George, basically. <laughs> and um, I would show up at work and do wonderful things and have lots of fun and just carry on. It was great. Um, but that made me nervous because it was an unfamiliar, but it's that kind of nervous excitement that I, I always call it the, you know, the Zen and the art of motorcycle riding, but I, it, that, that nervousness feeds me and makes me want to do better. So I knew that I was going to, something's going to come out of this, something's going to happen. And um, it just charged me to go forward and do this kind of work. Um, those are early on ones. Um, there's so much in my early uh, 90s and, and late 80s that I was doing in New York. I was part of a scene. I was going out all the time. I was working with a lot of the talent involved in the night uh, and the bands, the models, the photographers, the painters, the creators, the creatives in general. It was, it was like a... Uh, you know, a big version of a Warhol factory. Everybody was talented and we were all playing together. It was wonderful. That is magical imagery. I was going to say it's a bit like, you know, if you've ever seen Baz Luhrmann's uh, Moulin Rouge, like this kind of hive of bohemian talent and creativity and art. Sounds like you were in the New York equivalent of that. It definitely was going on and I was definitely one of one of many there, but it was, it was really um, very exciting. And by the way, I love Baz. <laughs> He's somebody I haven't worked with and I... I um, it's just very exciting when I see his work. I'm like, wow, that would be such an amazing place to be creative. I want to speak to you about a little known artist called Gwen Stefani, who you first started working with in the year 2000. We're now 2022 and you are still working with Gwen, styling her hair. What are you doing that other hairstylists aren't? Why did she, you work with her once and she's like, I'm not letting Danilo go. Wow, I mean, that's a question for her to answer, really. But I think what we had is, is this artistic collaboration. You know, I, I looked at it so many ways, um, as far as the inspiration. Gwen brings a lot of inspiration in, in the sense. And she also, she has a, a sense of herself. You know, she always wears it, it doesn't wear her kind of situation. And I would bring things and, and concepts and I, you know, propose these ideas. And we just kept on doing it. There was a, we were a team. It, it is a life force and um, a creative life force and, um, and a constant inspiration. So she's also been, a you know, it's been coined before, but she was a bit of a Barbie for me. You know, I got to go play Dolly all the time simply because here I have this incredible person that has such a presence on stage and, just really gifted, beautiful individual who likes to play. And so we play together. We're, it was really professionalism at its sort of most childish manner. Just let's get in there and do it. I love that description. A uh, quick question on Gwen, because the Gwen we know always looks immaculate. Her, her outfits are always, there was always some kind of statement in an outfit. Have you ever seen her in a boring outfit? Will she ever just rock up in PJs and slippers or is she forever iconic? Uh, well, I'll say this, I've seen it all, meaning <laughs> every version of outfits. And um, it always has a radiance, you know? I tell you, she, she looks amazing in slippers, <laughs> amazing in pajamas. 
and ball gowns you know it's just it's all there because she's there you know there's, there's you a person there. who can do it all <laughs> she just you know she's she's you know it, i don't like to build people up too much because there is the humanity of them all she has those qualities but she's she's a star and she sparkles you know no matter what you put her in what you know sparkles straight from a nap sparkles when worn out, sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. She's got great energy. She's a fairy. Um, so this series yeah. of the podcast is slightly different to series one and two in the fact that I want to dive into the 90s, the noughties, and really kind of figure out what has shaped, what has changed since that time. In the world of hair, is it possible to give a top line and what's changed? If you had to look back on the 90s versus now, what has changed? Well, um, let's just let's start with technically um, what we were doing then. The supermodel hair and, and the the edgy creativeness has been become a um, a style group. There's there's many now, and it's a reference. Um, and we were creating new ways to go about it, new tools, new products, new discoveries, and just starting to make stuff of our own where we could say, well, I have this product that I started, you know, people started doing their own branding. That was another big thing. But um, how that compares to the now, well, there is such a saturation of, you know, we would sit down and have great interviews with a magazine and it would come out three months later and it would tell a story about product and development and things like that, where now you get it immediate and, and you get it constant. And we're also heavily saturated with all this information and knowledge and, and style choices that um, that's really the big change is that there's so much of it. But otherwise, um, it's a big playground and, and all uh, it's, it feels like all the boundaries that used to be have become trends and, you know, everything's in and it's wonderful to see. I've always felt that way, but it's great to see the, the consuming public consuming all this, you know, getting all these trends, uh, understanding that people are different and, and expressing their differences and, and showing things that necessarily isn't what you're going to wear, but it's, it's stimulating to see somebody look like an art piece in a room. And, and it's wonderful to see them so proud and radiant and doing whatever they do to do it. What about things like the toolkit, the time in the chair? Are you, are the, is the toolkit increased? You said back in the day you had a little toolbox and now do you have a suitcase? Uh, I have two suitcases, most definitely. Because, you know, for my job, I have to come with tools, meaning, you know, blow dryers, flat irons, combs and brushes. Then there's products. And then there's all the... Um, what I call supernatural, which, cause people always say, is that her natural hair? And I always say, oh, supernatural. Um, there's all the tricks, you know, you have your trick box to fill out and create an image. You have the tools that it takes to do that. So the tools were always there, but now there's a lot to choose from. And the state of art is so incredible. Anyway, the kits, the kits are, they've grown. And I, everybody I work with, you know, you got to make room. Uh, there's some, wonderful talented people but they come with like a, a caravan of, of suitcases um i like to stay specific but it's um it's definitely different it's state of the art it's smooth it's and we really look to i mean look at how many dramatic changes on one person one can do 
and it's so acceptable, you know, it's like, oh, I like that one. I'll, I'll do that one. Everybody's been freed up to know that they don't have to stay in their lane. You touched upon it earlier about how the media landscape has changed in terms of like churning around content. As somebody who's worked really closely with some of the most famous women in the world, have you noticed a shift in, I don't know, a media that's kinder to them or is the pressure beauty wise even higher? Are they kind of scrutinized to a higher standard than they would have been in the 90s, noughties? Oh, most definitely. I mean, keep in mind, an interview wouldn't come out for months later. There's a lot of editing and all that in the 90s. But today it's immediate. And plus, they're doing so much on their own, you know, at home, always with their camera, because there's all this drive to have represent yourself that way as an artist. So it, it's definitely different. It's very immediate. The, the part that I don't like is, or, or let's just say it's challenging, HD, for starters, I don't think has any business being in our world only because I, I think it, it suits um, things like National Geographic better, it, worldly environments. But to have an HD camera on you on the set takes a lot of the illusion away. It somehow um, is not as complementary to all the artifice on a set. You start to see it. You don't see the illusion. And I find that difficult. I also think it must be very difficult to be scrutinized daily. And, and to that degree, you know, you never know where the cameras are. You just know they're around. And so that you have to look fantastic 360 all the time. Yeah, it's a different kind of paparazzi. You haven't got sort of men who are paid hiding behind bushes to take photos. You just have fans who have every single one of them has a camera and every single one of them will probably upload that picture to Instagram in seconds. Yeah, and there's so much controversy around that. I was going to mention to you that Although so many styles have changed over the years, so say with Gwen, like the bangs have come and gone. We've gone from wavy to straight, but one thing that has never changed is the blonde. How have you maintained that iconic platinum blonde for the last 20 years? Um, regular me, coloring it regularly. There, there, there's always been a little question like, oh, when will we change? You know, will we change? You know, those kind of questions. You know, what would it look like? The wigs were great for that too. Um, but it's professionalism and technical you know it's just you know when it comes to blondes like that um you really have to stay uh doing you know it has to be monitored by the same people if it's not it gets tricky it gets dangerous and that you often get what i i always called the Marilyn madonna syndrome but if you notice in their careers all of a sudden their hair would be dramatically short and different and granted it was a new trend but a lot of it was created by, you know, th- these women or and men for that matter, these hair <laughs> uh, have a job, have a career and they work just as hard as whatever the art form is and, and it needs to be cared for as much. So it's just really professionalism and staying on top of it and having that, finding a great formula that works and serves and then also having access to all the things that create the artifice the extra hair i read that i read that you dye her hair every monday is that fake news is that true there's i think what they were asking in the moment there was a need to um when you're doing something consistent like say the voice a tv show um it had to be touched up for screen yeah every monday but in life no (laughs) <laughs> but when we're in something that constant, like a, a Vegas you know, tour or a television show, you know, it, yeah, it needed to. Um, Marilyn supposedly did hers every 10 days. That's what I've heard. And, and her hairdresser applied hers with a Q-tip. 
that's what I've always heard about her. All the tricks of the trade. I want to speak about the collaboration process. So who leads it? You know that Gwen's got an event or something. Do you chat with Gwen, the person who styled the outfit, the makeup artist? How do you kind of get a cohesive approach? I think, and this, even beyond Gwen, what I do is like all my stories, what I do is I, I call it connecting the dots. So I want to hear everybody's story. I, if there's a script, I want to read the script. Uh, what is the clothing? What it? What? What is the artist's vibe? What are you feeling? Who are you in this? Makeup, clothing, storyline, and then also you know location. What are we doing? I just let all that information become all these little dots, and in my mind, they form a picture. And that's when I can volunteer my information and say, well, I was inspired by this. I, I thought, what do you think about this? And collaboration is key. It's the fun part to get together with the team and talk. It's a playground. It's an adult playground. And um, it's very creative and it's very collaborative. And it needs to be. And sometimes it's, you know, it's not, for instance, I would, I would you, you, you look beautiful. So, but what I see in my photo is, your hair has been put away. You have a little gesture of looseness. But to me, I, I always say small can be big and big can be small. So it, it didn't always have to be the, the lion's mane. Sometimes just face and a little detail is, is the most stunning. It's more Audrey Hepburn, ultimately. It's that clarity all of a sudden. I want to see you. I don't want to see all that other stuff. And that, I think I, I'm very different that way because I, a lot of hairdressers just want to make sure their hair is present. But I, I think that, um, uh, you know, Lily's a great example at the Met Ball. It, you know, ultimately, a, a slick, wet look was really a dramatic look here and, and needed. We needed that sort of contemporary elegance. So anyway, my whole thing is, is, is connect the dots. The, the story somehow has to radiate through it, but it doesn't always have to be a hair ad, basically. Well, first thing I'm going to say... I'm going to say thanks for comparing me to Audrey Hepburn because that's a first. I'll absolutely take that. Um, You mentioned there about working in kind of like an adult playground and we know playgrounds, I don't know, sometimes like there are differences of opinion. Does that happen sometimes? You're in the beauty room. Someone will have one vision. Like Like all playgrounds, there's bullies. All of that goes on. But when I started early on, the the gentleman um, that handled the Orbe group and guided us and had a bigger picture for all of us always said 50 percent of what you do on the set is about you now there are people that come to the set and think it's 100 percent about them and when that comes in you're just like whatever you do you i'm gonna adapt because i'm here for us and yet there are many very successful and and some of my favorites are brits uh, both hair and makeup that that are large and they they have a lot but they they bring it they achieve it and they do it in celebration of everybody in the room and I think that's really again this collaborative this team thing you know back when we were kids some people just don't know how to play in the playground it's they're loners or they they're bullies when I see those things I don't feed them I don't honor them I just am like whatever you do you I'm going to be over here and get my job done. Yeah, good for you. You have to withdraw from that kind of situation. I think a lot of people might think that the kind of people you work with who maybe don't know how to play in a playground are the celebrities, are the ones who have egos. Have you found that's the case? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, 
There's so many versions. First of all, it's such a wonderful and weird career acting. It's because I always look at, they're very different from a music artist. Music artist is, is, they got a vibe. I'm sorry, you're getting all my, like, I'm into it. But they, you know, they have a vibe and they, they, their music is their heart and they, they're telling their story and they, they have a vision of their thing where actors are told how to look and how to act. They, they do their own thing, but, you know, this is a character. This is your wardrobe. This is the time period. You know, they're, they're just, and they make magic out of that. But as an individual, often they don't really, you know, modeling and things like that are a little odd for them. Um, it's, a, it's a different territory and they get shy often. So um, I, I find the versatility, really listening is a key skill. Also professionalism, just going, okay, your hair's not going to do this. Um, or it will do this. Or have you ever thought of this? But and there are those that are very adamant, but I find them, a, they sort of suck the air out of the room and, and they get delivered that from all the talent. We're, we're all artists together for a common cause, which is you being put out publicly at your best and, and feeling you're most confident that you can do whatever you're doing. And when that isn't a feedback, when it's just me, 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 it, you know, you know it just doesn't inspire it takes away from the power of, of the situation. So that's still what happens. So they, they, their own demise is due to them ultimately. There are definitely people, we all have lists. We all talk about, oh no, don't work with them, you know, kind of thing. Um, because they're dark or, or arrogant or, or self-centered. You mentioned earlier the Met Gala, a really exciting day at work. Is a day like that, do you find that the stress amplifies the bigger the occasions of you're doing hair for the Met, you're doing hair for like a really big red carpet event? Is that stress in the dressing room that little bit higher? Do you then have to kind of main, I don't know, go in, like dig into a well of Zen to, I don't know, you're kind of hosting that. That's how I roll. You know, keep in mind, you know, the designer created the gown and staff that created the gown attend. They're in the room Makeup's in the room. Makeup may have brought two assistants and six suitcases. Publicists, um, friends and family. Just there's a lot going on in the room, and and it's a small room. And all I'd really want to do is have a private room that we can get the beauty ready and then let it, let them be. Um, but everybody has input. Everybody has a statement. You listen. You don't listen. Uh, and for me, I go to Zen. I use that, that hectic energy to fire me and propel me because it, it's difficult. It's distracting. Um, it can get very distracting and then you really have to come through. And it's what's wonderful is when the artist finally sees the, the issues and goes, I, uh, I'm going to clear the room. I need to focus. I need to focus with you guys. I need to get this right. Do this now. And that's when it really, the silence in the room, this then happens and we all go into our autopilot of sorts of creativity. Do you ever, so, so yeah. speaking from personal experience, I get a bad hair day every now and then, probably more often than I'd like. Do you ever feel a bad hair day on somebody else? So sometimes you're doing red carpet hair and their hair just won't get it. Is that a thing? Well, things that happen are environmental things for the most part. I mean, uh, there's been plenty of red carpets where storm came and it's just like, you know, a wet wind will ruin hair. So, you know, I'm always like, 
let's put your hair away. Let's just do something different that, that can't be affected by this. But yes, of course it happens. I always refer to the hair gods and goddesses and just say, thank you for um, not, no big disaster. The other great thing that, 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 which is very now, hair isn't so perfectly placed. So a, a, a glamorous undone thing can work for you. So if your hair moves and you're, you know, oh, my hair, you know, just as great. People love it. I love it. You know, it's just, I, you know, who is a great example. <laughs> I, I keep on going back to her, but uh, Lily at the Oscars, we left her hair finished, but undone. And she just moved it all day long. And, and I think it was, she was the envy of a lot of women there because they, they were so stuck that they, they were, we couldn't do anything. And she was just like having a ball, throwing it around. So it's great. Let's speak um, about the opposite of Lily. When you are stuck, how much hairspray goes on? How many cans of hairspray are we getting through? How many grips are we getting through to hold something into position? It really depends on what we're doing. But, uh, you know, there's that's where technical really comes in and preference comes in. I know I, I, I definitely have a reputation for uh, using a good spray when it's necessary. I'm not shy about product. When it needs to be done, you go in there and you do it. And there's always changes in product and there's so many great hairsprays right now. So yes, grips, uh, spray, elastics, extra hair, all of it. You, but ultimately you have to look seamless. And I talk to my client about how does that feel? Uh, did that hurt? <laughs> Is it going to hurt? You know, uh, those are really technical things that, that always happen. And you constantly have to ask and be aware of. You spoke there about having that constant dialogue with your client. If you're anything like any sort of my beauticians who do my nails, who have done like my hairdresser, you take on the role of a therapist sometimes. And I imagine you see your clients in really high stress situations, high intensity situations. Have you learned sometimes to be a life coach if they're having an insecure day to give them that pep talk and be like, you can do it. You're stunning. Yeah. I mean, that comes up all the time and you are, you know, Keep in mind, hair and makeup are often the first people to, we get you out of the shower, out of bed. You know, we're the first, we're there before your publicist, we're there before everybody. So it's already intimate. We walk into your intimate world. You can be with your lover, your, your partner, your children, whatever it all is, but you're thrown into that intimacy. So you have to be very good at that to begin with. But then there's... Um, all the things that you just listed, they, they, they happen all the time. And it's, um, it's not a sink or swim, but you know, it, it's about being gracious and grateful and professional. They're, they're very simple things that have always been standards that are true. No matter how crazy and wild you are or get in your artistry, there's something about being there for everybody that works really well. I've been with artists that think I've had very famous Oscar winning actresses. Twice this has happened where they've turned to a, a, a makeup artist and said, who's the star in the room here today? Just because it was so about them, they were just like, enough already, calm down. This is, you know, let's get our job done. Let's have fun. But relax, you know, I'm, you're acting like this is, you know, your moment and just calm down. So some, some artists, you know, they, I don't see it so much anymore, but there, there were a lot of issues with artists, uh, beauty artists in the past, particularly 
drugs in the industry. You know, fashion had all that. The models were doing it, the photographers were doing it, and so were the beauty people. But that went out, that was a 90s thing, and that went out 80s and 70s, but that went away and it became a whole nother element. Are we cleaner now? Is there lots of green tea in a dressing room? Is there lots of fruit, sparkling water? Yes, everybody's got their thing going on. Um, and and then there's there's people like me that are like, I'm not touching that. I don't, you know, the craft services, I don't think so. Although some are amazing. I've been spoiled, rotten, and exposed to great food, cared for very well. So I, I can't really complain, but there's just there's just a point you feel like you're at uh, a wedding all the time and you just kind of just, not that you want oatmeal, but you want something, <laughs> can I have a glass of water? <laughs> oh my gosh, that can be the next series of the podcast, the, the caterers, <laughs> you don't see the caterers. <laughs> Jetting around, be it commercial or private, uh, private homes, castles, resorts, you know, I, again, Everything's different, you know. I've I've done you know celebrity weddings where are incredible, and I've you know gone to royal palaces and worked. It's just um, it's all different. When you list out moments like that, are you like, wow, like that's my life? How mad that today I look at my my calendar for the next few weeks and I've got a celebrity wedding, and oh, then I've got to fly to Cannes because I'm doing a red carpet event. Does that kind of, has that lost its novelty on you or do you still kind of pinch yourself sometimes? You know, I wouldn't say lost its novelty, but where I've arrived is this is me, this is what I do. And um, there are things that are very exciting. There still are a few people. When I moved to New York in 1980, I made a list of the people I wanted to work with. And there were only two I never got to work with, Elizabeth Taylor and Jackie Onassis. And I, 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 you know, I knew they had deep relationships with their hairdresser, but I thought, well, maybe it'll come up. But I, um, I, it was early on that I realized they need me and I need them. You know, it's a relationship. And so I was okay about it. But I still get like those two made me, make me nervous. There are people that make me nervous still. You know, I've worked with Kate Blanchett many a time and um, I haven't seen her of recently but I, it makes me nervous just to think you know nervous with excitement to be able to see her again and work with her and you know I, I get I get excited with people that I I uh, think I admire a lot I think it becomes personal that way it's not but I'm not jaded um I could be exhausted you know you can just be rolled out one more time but again that's all changed so much things aren't happening like that it's ebbing and flowing and I I think we all are kind of liking it. We like the little gap in between so we can have some life and refresher time and then, you know, or have an opportunity to work on a different project because um, magazines are changing their ways. They're all going digital. Things are different. And ever changing, which is a healthy career, right? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's our lives. So I, I don't take it for granted and I don't, you know, poof. I think if anything, we just get tired. At the end of a day, a job is a job. You could have the best job in the world and the job that you dreamed of, but it's still work and we still need work-life balance. Yes, we do. And it's really, I think that's something we're all learning. It's so the humanity of what we are and do is, is, is ultimate. If you don't have your spirit and your, your connection, um, it's hard. You could get lost. I see people go dark. They get lost and, uh, I mean, it's an industry that just consumes and, and 
you know, we're, I, I realize now, you know, you, I turned around and I was like, oh my God, I'm like one of the only ones still around that was then. Um, it's interesting. I, I, you know, a lot of people get worn out. And you're still somehow finding that energy and we're grateful for it. Gwen's grateful for it. Lily's grateful for it. Kate Blanche is grateful for it. Selena Gomez, I could keep listing them. <laughs> Danilo, you have been a star. You've been so much fun to talk to. Thank you so much. We always end the podcast with a piece of advice or a piece of wisdom that someone that you've worked with has given to you over the years. Can you think of any kind of a bit of advice that you always go back to that keeps you going? Well, it's funny, it isn't a client, but I said it earlier when I was told that 50% of what I do would have to be how I am professional on the set and how I handle myself and others. And I know that isn't, that isn't, doesn't necessarily radiate for the listener, but it's such a, and that's life, you know, you, your gift and your inspiration, your skills, your creativity be it brain surgery. I remember Christy Turlington used to always say, um, it's not, you're not saving lives. Um, those kind of things are true, but um, you still have value. And it was remembering your value and your, not your place in the room, but your contribution to the, 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 the collective and to just to be accepting and um, again, professional and creative. I, I feel those are, the, the, that's the one thing that's really guided me through the whole thing, ultimately. Yeah, and ultimately we want to be around decent people. So if you're amazing at hair and you're a really decent person to be around, then what's not to like about that combination? Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. What's well, great to get in the playground and play. Your playground. Love that. Danilo, thank you so much. I've loved chatting with oh, you. Thank you. It's great. I, I feel like we just got started. A massive thanks to Danilo for chatting. If you want to keep up with his work, you can head to his Insta, official Danilo Hair. If you're still listening, I want to say a big thank you to you too. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, leave us a review, maybe send this episode to a mate and subscribe to Who You Don't See on your usual podcast app. You can also pay us a visit next week when we'll be back with another guest. We'll see you then.